Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore, where our mission is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Hey, leaders, Andrew here with me as always, Dr. Tim Elmore. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm very well. Looking forward to this one. Yes, absolutely. Tim recently sat down with a, a, to do a conversation, an interview really, with a really fantastic leader. If you don't know this guy, you're going to be really glad you're about to get introduced to him. It's a guy by the name of Kerry Newhoff, who is a thinker. Uh, he's a leader in so many contexts. Mm-hmm. He has a really great, well-known, well-listened-to podcast as well that you may want to check out. But let me tell you a little bit about Kerry, and then uh, I'm gonna we're going to jump to that conversation. Kerry Newhoff is a former lawyer, uh, as well as a former pastor. He's the founder of Connexus Church in Barrie, Ontario. He's a much sought after conference speaker, podcaster, and thought leader with millions of listeners regularly tuning into his podcast. It's called the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast, and it features some of today's top leaders and cultural influencers. Carrie and his wife, Tony, live near Barrie, Ontario, and have two children. Now, Carrie is also the author of several books, but his latest one is called At Your Best, mm-hmm. How to Get Time, Energy, and Priorities. I love this book because Carrie is writing this book uh, to people who are frankly just like me, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, this sounds very familiar to all the conversations that I'm having with educators around mm-hmm. the country who are uh, just feeling worn out. These are people for whom they would say slammed is normal. Mm-hmm. Distractions are everywhere. Life is, seems to be getting reduced time and again to just going through the motions. I think so many of us feel that way. So if this is you and you feel tired of living this way, I think at your best is going to be very helpful to you. It's designed to give you strategies you'll need to win at work and at home by living in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. So we're so honored to have Carrie uh, as a guest. So Tim, I'm going to let you take the interview away. Carrie, it's so great to talk with you again. We have been in conversations off and on throughout the years Uh, I've been up to see you that way. I think I've seen you down here in Atlanta before. Thanks for taking a few minutes and talking today. Always. No problem at all, Tim. Kerry, one of the things I appreciate about you the most is every time I think you open your mouth, there is a great insight that's fresh and relevant and helpful. So um, I know that's going to happen today. But um, I'd like to talk about not only your life and how you live it, but um, your latest book, uh, and what you're up to. So let me let me start this way. Our focus, as you know, at Growing Leaders is the emerging generation. Um, yeah. And I would say young people today feel the same thing that we're all feeling. We're just feeling absolutely overwhelmed and what psychologists would call flooded. Why is that? How did we get here? Yeah, I think it's natural if you look at the progression of where we've come. So you know, 15 years ago, the iPhone got released and it was really a game changer. Um, those of us of a certain age, we remember, like a lot of your audience will remember when there was dial up and it was a pain to get online. Yeah. And we had things like snail mail and people yeah. like knocking on your door at home. And access to human beings was really fairly limited. It was limited by our technology. It was limited by mobility. If you go back through history, you know, there's a... a a, uh, oh, his name's escaping me right now, Uh, Robin Dunbar, Robin Dunbar, British evolutionary psychologist. And he says, it makes a plausible argument that for most of human history, like in other words, as long as humans have roamed the earth, uh, most people knew about 200 people in their lives. And that's how we basically organized ourselves in villages and very small communities. And 
you kind of knew a few people in your town really well. You knew some fairly well, but even though you didn't know the baker really well and you weren't friends, you knew that, oh, John is the baker or, yeah. you know, this is what they do. And what's happened is that has just accelerated in warp speed over yeah. our parents' lifetime, our lifetime, and now our kids' lifetime. And you and I know how overwhelmed we felt in the 90s, you yeah. know, and now how overwhelmed we are <laughs> now. And our kids grew up as digital natives. So yeah. they're now this next generation, Generation Alpha, Generation Z, they're in a place where they are just deluged 24-7. They have yeah. to sort between real relationships. And you even think about things that you and I have talked about before, like career paralysis. I, I've learned over the last yeah. decade, the worst thing you can ask a 23-year-old is, what do you want to do with your life? And if you look <laughs> yeah. at like me, when I was eight, I'm like, I'm going to be a lawyer. And I did go to law school and I graduated and the whole deal ended up taking a different path in the end. But like, you know, there were five options and you just picked one and you went. But I can empathize if you're 22 and you have the world at your fingertips and you've been raised by your parents and educators saying you can be anything. Well, how yeah. do you pick one? Yeah. You end up with this yeah. paralysis of choice, this overwhelm. Like, you know, I have, I have 50,000 people who follow me on Instagram and there are people who have 10x or 100x more. If you have the capacity for a dozen real relationships and three close friends, yeah. how do you even process that? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Right. It's true. And the expectation we sometimes self-impose to keep up with those 50,000 people are ridiculous, oh, yeah. I think. Well, we used uh, to have one yeah. inbox and I yeah. counted it up <laughs> when <laughs> I was finishing at your best. I counted up. I have 11 now and I'm probably leaving some out. Yeah. But LinkedIn has an inbox, your email, I have multiple email addresses like many people do. Uh, Twitter has an inbox. Instagram has an inbox. Facebook has an inbox and so on and so on and so on. Yeah. And it's, it's like impossible. Like, how yeah. do you how do you even keep up with that with these people yeah. you barely know? And the problem, of course, is we're always trying to keep up with the people we don't know. And we're ignoring yeah. the people we do know. Yes. So the people closest to us pay the highest price for this. Yeah. What an irony that mm. we tend to start caring more about the people that flippantly follow us on social social media platform and the people that are right in front of us at our home or our workplace. We don't love well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to talk about at your best, um, but because our audience are people that care about the next generation, I'm probably going to look through that lens, the entire conversation here, Carrie. Uh, if educators and youth leaders don't respond well to this overwhelm feeling we have, what's the stake with the burnout that so many feel right now? What would you say is the price tag and why we need to pay attention? Well, you're probably going to burn out or you are burning out. Yeah, so I, yeah. I put, and again, I'm not a clinical psychologist by any stretch. I'm a pastor, lawyer turned pastor turned author, right? Okay, yeah, so what yeah. do I know? I don't know. But I do research. And I've also burned out. I've had like clinical, clinically diagnosable burnout about 16 yeah. years ago. If you are actually burned out, you probably know it. Um, yeah. You're exhausted. You can't work anymore. You can't function. You're seeking a leave of absence. Uh, the whole deal. But uh, I think there's another thing that I call low-grade burnout. And low-grade burnout is, my rough definition is, the functions of life continue, but the joy of life is gone. Mm, so yeah. you're able to get up in the morning, you go to work, but like there's no fun. Your heart is numb. Uh, the, the original title for the book, At Your Best, is numb. And they thought that was really negative, and I agree. <laughs> but I think that's how most people feel, right? Yeah. It's just, I feel numb. I don't feel anything anymore. Somebody got married. I went to the wedding. I was supposed to be happy. I yeah, wasn't happy. Yeah. Like I, I was, but I couldn't feel it. And then I heard that somebody died. 
And like, I, I didn't feel anything. Or yeah. the headlines. It's yes. like yeah. between the school shootings and the war in yep. Ukraine and everything we've been through, you know, I would like to say I felt a twinge of compassion for all of those things. But a yeah. lot of us would say we don't. And what that is, is what I call low grade burnout. Yeah. And yeah. you can go through that. And basically you're putting in time in this world. You're tired all the time. You're overwhelmed and you end up doing almost nothing well, including your personal life. So I think that's what's at stake. If you ignore this, you're going to live a zombie-like existence or uh, you're going to burn out. And yeah. so I burned out 16 years ago. At your best is my response wow. to um, about a decade after burning out, I, I had retweaked all of my systems to such a level that I was wow. functioning quite well, like the best I'd ever functioned in my life. And soon the number one question in my life I was getting from people was, how are you getting this all done? Mm. And you mm. have a better marriage and yeah. you seem to have a life and hobbies. Yeah. And I, you know, eventually I took the question seriously. I started writing things down yeah. and then I taught thousands of leaders these principles. They seem transferable. So I put them in at your best. But so yeah, good. I think I think it is a way there is a way for you to navigate a growing platform. And when I burned out, the, what I was leading was not even a tenth of the size of what I'm mm -hmm. leading today. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So you don't have to be the CEO of a Fortune 100 company. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to lead a mega church. You don't have to be principal of a giant school. Yeah. You can burn out as the pastor of a small church, as a youth leader of a small youth group, of you know a teacher of a yeah. class of 15. You can burn out. It's just all this inbound is coming at us all the time from yeah. every direction. Carrie, I even think sometimes the numbness that we feel is a coping mechanism. It's the mm. way we get by. If That's I good emoted all the time for all the <laughs> Rob Elementary School war in Ukraine, like you just mentioned, I'm, I will be emotionally exhausted. Uh, I'm not saying numb is a good answer, but it is an answer, I think, sometimes. For, well, for there, us. you know, it's, it's the, if you want to put this theologically, and I have a theological background. Yeah. It's like having the knowledge of God without the wisdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. And you get the knowledge of like, again, if you're in that village for thousands of years, mm -hmm. this is how our ancestors lived. You would hear that John the butcher died and you would be sad because you knew yeah. John the butcher, but yes. you have the capacity to handle all those emotions for 200 mm -hmm. people. Yeah. But when you hear that there was a typhoon in somewhere yeah. in Asia, kind of like, I don't even have a category for this. And yeah. I don't know that we were designed yeah. to have a category for that. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I tend to think so. Yeah. I, I don't know that God actually designed us for that. Um, and so I don't think that's a bad thing, but you got to learn how to manage it because this is the world we live in, right? Yeah. Like yeah, you can go is. off the grid. There's an answer. That, yeah, that's that, right. Yeah. You can go <laughs> off the grid. Yeah. Most of us are not going off the grid. And yeah. apparently if you actually go off the grid and homestead, it is a hundred times more difficult than you think it's going to be. You have this like romantic picture yeah. of like, oh, yeah. my life is then you get eaten by a bear and destroyed yeah, right. by bugs and yeah. termites yeah. eat your log cabin. So, <laughs> and then you, you have no food in December and you starve to death. So, I yes, mean, there's all right. kinds of complications, no matter what yeah, you no choose. No about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Carrie, I'd love to at least whet the appetite of our listeners now for At Your Best. And listeners, yeah. I really think you ought to go get this book. Uh, I've enjoyed it. But I'd like to talk in a rat-a-tat sort of way about some yep. of the big ideas just to whet their appetite. So one big idea is the idea of not just managing your time, but managing your energy. Talk right. about that. Yeah. So time management, million books out there. They're great. Yeah. I have a couple of strategies. But I was really good at managing time until I burned out. And then mm. it didn't help. 
because you have a fixed commodity. Yeah. So I started paying attention to energy management. And if you think about it, everybody will recognize this. We divide ourselves into morning people or night owls. Yeah. Right. What does that acknowledge? It says I am better at night or in my case, I'm much better in the morning. Mm -hmm. You know, 9 a.m. beats 9 p.m. Hands down every day of my life. It just does. So, yeah, all of your leaders, all the people listening are going to have what I call their prime hours of the day. And I call that your green zone. I think you get research shows about three to five prime hours in a day max. We're not robots. Interesting. And then we all have, think of your day divided into three zones. Green, red is when you're exhausted. That's where you need more caffeine, a nap, uh, you know, somebody to prod you with a cattle prod or something like that to keep you awake in a meeting. That's your red zone when you're tired and yellow is everything in between. Yeah. And the secret to productivity for me, and we've been able to coach over 50,000 leaders in this with really encouraging results, is you figure out what you're best at. Like what, what is your superpower? So for me, I'm a communicator. When I was a lead pastor of a church, it was Sunday morning. When I was a lawyer, it was courtroom work. I had to prep for court. You better be on in court. Uh, Now it's, I'm writing books, I'm doing podcasts, I'm creating content for leaders. So it's basically a content creation job. If I do that in the morning, if I do what I'm best at, when I'm at my best, things just go great. And if I blow those morning hours with working out, because I'm not trying out for a professional sports team, I'm not, you know, (laughs) I'm not doing that. I'll do my workout this afternoon, but I'm not going to do it this morning. So when you do what you're best at, when you're at your best, you will see exponential returns. And that applies Mm. in your personal life and your professional life. Yeah, that's a doable step for most of us. Yep. Okay, so here's another big idea. You you say that vacations and sabbaticals are not enough. And yet I know you (laughs) believe in those. So talk about that. Why are they not enough? And what do you Yeah, I'm not opposed. I'm taking July off this year, Tim. (laughs) And that's just sort of a line in the sand. I started that a couple of years ago. It's just like, yeah, I'm just not working in July. So I am not opposed to vacations. I think most people know how to vacation well. I mean, if you can close that laptop, ignore your phone, not do email on the beach for an hour a day. We all know how to vacation well, but we've all had the experience. You come back from vacation, totally refreshed. You're excited. You're ready to go. The first Monday back at 11 a.m., you feel like you got run over by a truck, right? Just boom. It's like, what happened? All that energy is gone. The problem is not how you spend your time off. The problem is how you spend your time on. And time off won't heal you when the problem is how you spend your time on. So the Mm. problem I'm trying to solve and at your best with that strategy is I'm trying to say, let's look at how you spend your time on so that you feel like you're not exhausted every day. You're getting seven, eight hours sleep. You're accomplishing more. You're, You're having the time to do the things that are meaningful. You're learning how to say no to all the things that don't matter. And you're leveraging your energy, not just your time. If you can do that, you're going to like, I've got a busy June, but I'm going to run into, I know that because I planned it ahead. Yeah. I'll yep. show you how to do that too. I can show you what March of 2025 looks like in my calendar, mm. which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But most of our, most of our uh, life is repeated patterns. So you just plan, okay, I'm going to write every morning or three mornings a week, or I'm going to yeah. do lesson planning, or I'm going to do sermon writing, or I'm going to do whatever that is. In this time slot, nothing's getting in the way. I'll get that done. You can plan that out in advance so that when I go into vacation in July, I'm going to be relatively rested. Like I would say I can predict, you know, barring any catastrophe, seven to eight out of 10, as opposed to limping to the finish line at a three. Yeah. Taking a week to unwind, a week to sleep, 
a week to have fun and then a week to ramp back up for August. No, I'll have a great July and I'll come back with a full tank in August. And because I know how to maintain that, you know, and I, I show people how to do that, then, you know, you can go another six months without a break if you need to. Now, I think you wow. should take them more often. Sure. But yeah, that's yeah. a problem with vacations. And I love that. That totally makes sense. Carrie, when we, uh, when I interview leaders and I ask what are the biggest culprits to them being at their best or living their best life, a lot of times they bring up interruptions. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you keep other people from hijacking your day? A couple of strategies. Number one, um, I do protect my personal phone number and my inbox, my personal email. We have, we serve millions of leaders, so we get a yeah, lot of inbound. Yeah. There yeah. are public addresses that goes to, but I, I want to put ourselves in the place of the average youth pastor, the average teacher yeah, who maybe yeah. has, you know, you got a hundred kids in your youth group or 50 kids in your youth group, or you've got, you know, a couple hundred students you're managing max. What you've got to do because you're constantly accessible on your phone is you have to set office hours or say, I'm going to be available. Listen, parents, if you want to reach me, the best way is Facebook Messenger or the yeah, best way yeah. is this email or the best way is Instagram. Yeah, like pick a channel. Good. I would encourage you not to give out your cell phone to everybody you know. I think that's a mistake. Or get a second number so you mm -hmm. can change mm -hmm. that and have an actual life where you can be off. But the problem is you can work anywhere now and you can work anytime now. So people do work anytime and they do work anywhere. And back in the day, like people couldn't reach you unless they had your home number. Right. Yeah, and that yeah. was glorious. So yeah. we've got to move into that state. And then you've also, the, the last thing I would say, Tim, is you probably have what I call frequent flyers. And mm. it's always the same four or five parents yep. who are always yep. upset, never an energizing thing. Yep. Uh, you've always got that one problem parent or that one problem kid. So a couple of things, and this is going to sound very cruel and merciless. This is probably my <laughs> lawyer hat, not my pastor hat, but like cut your losses. Like you've yeah, got to put yeah. boundaries up around that because here's, here's yeah. what's true. If you've been meeting with an angry parent, you know, once a month or once yeah. a week or that problem student once a month or once a week for months, chances are you're not actually helping them. Yeah. Yeah. So one of two things, either they don't want to be helped, which may be the case, or you may not be the right person to help yeah. them. There might be somebody else. There might be yeah. a trained counselor or somebody else who's fantastic and they're going to fix them, but they are not getting better for being with you. You're not getting better for being with them. So why not say, you know what? I'm not sure we're helping you. And then you move on. And then you know what you do? You fill that slot with your best parents, with your favorite student, and they will appreciate it and you will go faster, further yeah. with them and they will start to soar. Yeah. And so I started doing that. And, you know, so... You, you, you make yourself a little less available, but yeah. healthy people respect those boundaries. Yeah, I think you're right. In fact, I was thinking while you were talking, I wonder if many people's problems, even leaders, is we don't want to be disliked. We are oh, people 100%. pleasers. So yep. maybe 75% maybe of our problem is we won't say no. We won't cut our losses when really we need to. It's not the best, but it's the best we can do given our current reality. Talk about that. Talk about saying yeah. no or the emotional security that's demanded of me as a leader to say, I don't have to be liked by everybody. I'm okay with that. Well, people who like to be liked will be disliked, but I'll tell you who you're going to be disliked by. You're going to mm. be disliked by your children. You're going to be disliked by your spouse. And mm -hmm. you'll please some random person that needed an hour of your time 
over and over again. Yeah. But that's who's going to pay the price. Yeah. So think about it that way. And then saying yep. no. Uh, one thing I do, I have a little formula. I'll run it through you really quickly. Because okay. we right. say, we, you know, when you, when you get the opportunity to serve as many leaders as we do, we get pitched. I talk to my podcast manager 15 to 20 times a day. Wow. Can I be on your show? Can I yeah. be on your yeah. show? I don't yeah. get most of those. But we're just like very polite no. So what you say yeah. is, man, that would be wonderful. I'd love yeah. to do that. No, only do that if you're sincere. If you really hate yes, the opportunity, yeah. create right. something else. But let's say most most of the time, I would love to speak at your event. I'd love to have a call yeah. with you. I'd love to have you over for coffee. Uh, so if you can say that with integrity, say it. Man, yeah. Tim, that's wonderful. I would yeah. love to be able to do Growing Leaders. Thank yeah. you for the invitation. Then shift to a firm no. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm not able to do that right yeah. now. Or unfortunately... Due to my other commitments, yeah. that is not going to work. Now, what I did for years as a mistake is that's not going to work right now. And you know what happens? Then they email you in a month yep. and another yep. month and another month. So just say, unfortunately, given my commitments, yes. that is not going to work. Yeah. I really admire you and your work and appreciate you asking me. Thank you so much, Carrie. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. There it is. Firm. Now, obviously, it was a different answer here. Sure. But, yeah. you know, that... And I don't know, you're, you're, are you going to disappoint some people? Yes. But, but ironically, here's a principle. Scarcity creates value. Yeah, right? I agree. Why is gold valuable over history? Uh -huh. Because it's a fixed asset. You can't manufacture more yeah. real gold. Well, you can, but there's not an infinite supply. Right. Right? No. Supply totally and demand. So scarcity creates value. And that means when somebody does get on your calendar, they're really going to value it. You know the other thing? I have people in my inner circle, like in the last half hour, who texted me and said, listen, I could meet today. And I'm like, great. So I'm meeting someone else in about 20 minutes. I'm going to do him a favor. And then someone's doing me a favor later in the day. But I have not over scheduled my day. Yeah. yeah. So that I have, because there's always an emergency. There's always somebody who yeah. needs those 15 minutes. And yeah. when I was a younger parent, you know who needed it? My kids. Yeah. And that was pre-burnout. And I was too busy for them, because I was filling everybody mm. else's needs. I feel bad to this to this day. I have the privilege yeah. of working with one of my sons. The other one we have a great relationship with too. So we kind of worked that through That's in reverse. Good. But I wish I got those those years back. No doubt about it. Because in the end, those are the people you say, those are the most important people in my life. Totally. Um, you know, Kara, I was just thinking again, as you were talking about saying no and some of the strategies you've used. I love the clarity you brought up. You got to mm. initially or eventually be crystal clear. This is a no. Yeah, I'm sorry. Forever. Given my yeah. other priorities, yeah, I'm not right. able yeah. to do this. When I can, I'm going to ask about this. When mm. I can, I like to add, now here's an alternative, you know, Joe Blow or whatever. Um, obviously with podcasts, that's not always you, something you can do. So no, you, you can talk totally about that do that. Yeah. yeah, you can recommend a friend. If you yes. have staff, yeah. sometimes I'll send someone from my staff in my place. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, you know, okay, I'll take you an, an example from when I led the church. So we grew okay. from a handful of people. In the early days, it was average attendances. I did three churches. It was 6, 14, and 23. Trust me, you can manage that in 40 hours a week. There's no problem. I could yes. visit everyone yes. in the church once a month and still write a killer message. It was not hard. Yes. Okay. But then it grew. And now we have three to 4,000 people who call the church home. So. Yeah. What I did was I created not a church where everybody knew everyone. We tried to create a church where everyone was known. Mm, and the way good. we used that was we had small groups and we had serving opportunities. So if somebody wanted to be cared for, I'm like, well, are you in a small group? Oh, no, we don't do small groups. I'm sorry, yeah. man, I can't help you. That's our answer to that question. Yeah. And then 
you know, someone else said, well, uh, you know, I need you to visit me in the hospital. It's like, well, the way that works is through our small groups or the care teams that we have with our serving teams. And if they opted out of that, they opted out of pastoral care. Yeah, yeah. And if they were really upset with that, it was their call. It was their choice. It wasn't our choice. It's like, we have a system. You don't like the system. And they're like, okay, well, go to another church. Listen, I promise you, there's a hundred other churches within two hours of here with 40 people where someone will care for you personally. (laughs) You can go there and be, well, I don't like that kind of church. The reason you don't like that kind of church is because it never scales to the level where it can do great teaching and great music yeah. and great programming and all of that stuff. So, you, and eventually there are some unpleasable people, but yeah. you know what's fascinating? Yeah. I saw this on Sunday. I was saying, I've, I gave over the leadership of our church about seven years ago to a fantastic successor, Jeff, and I was sitting next to him on Sunday and there was someone in the church and I'm like, wait a minute, is that so-and-so? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He looked a little different at a beard and put on weight yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, I thought he left. And he goes, oh, yeah, he did. And I said, but they always come back, don't they? Because what <laughs> happens is they leave upset. Yeah. And then you never burn the bridge, but but they find a way of coming back. And, you know, yeah. I am going to be a disappointment to some people. I get sure. that. But yeah. we're almost 23 million downloads into the podcast. And we get the privilege wow. of serving millions of leaders a year. And like, you know how that happens? Because I I, I make myself scarce. Because yeah. now I can create yeah. great content. Now I can write a book. That's right. At yeah. Your Best went through eight drafts. It was mm. like pulling teeth. But I wanted a great book. You don't get eight drafts if yeah. you're running around like a chicken with your head cut yes. off every day. And yeah. you don't get the quality. You said at the very beginning, which I appreciated, you know, you always seem to have like this thought or whatever. Yeah. You know why? Because most of my time is unscheduled. Yeah. And yesterday I was trying to solve a sermon problem. I don't preach a lot these days anymore trying to solve a sermon problem. So you know what I did? I got out, I got out my hose and I started watering my lawn. Mm. And I started thinking about the problem and I'm like, oh yeah, that's how to solve it. That's how to solve it. Yeah. You know what you need? You need lots of time and it's there. Everybody listening to this podcast has 24 hours today. That's right. So stop saying you don't have the time. Start admitting you didn't make it. You didn't make the time. Yep. to think. You didn't make the time for your kids or your spouse mm-hmm. or yourself or sleep or exercise. And um, you find, and you see this, Tim, the top performers almost always figure this stuff out. Yeah, They're true. like, when you really meet with the top performers, they have all the time in the world for you. They're not on their phone. Yep. They're not like, oh, hang on, hang on. I just got to yeah. get this text. They're not distracted. They're looking at you eyeball to eyeball. They got all the time in the world for you. And then you know, you're thinking, how do you run this billion dollar company? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's how. Yep. Carrie, I remember uh, years ago when I worked with John Maxwell, he said something to me. I asked him, what are the questions he's getting from other leaders? And he said something similar to what you said. He said, the two questions I get asked most are, how do you get so much done? And how do you get so much free time? Mm-hmm. And when you have those together, it's living your best life. It's, it's doing the very things you've just described and you've just, it's just been the tip of the iceberg from this book. So I well, love, you know, we're, we're progressing. That book was six months ago. And if I was writing it today, I'll give you one little thing from our leadership team. We're looking at moving to a four day work week. Yeah. Yeah. We want to serve more leaders yep. by working less hours. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we can do it. And it's a complete paradox. And if you yeah, don't it understand it. it if you don't, if you don't really think about it deeply, 
but studies are increasingly showing like it's it's what is it mcdougall's law mcdonald's law forget yeah, yeah. the name yeah work yeah. expands for the time available yes, to fill that's right if you have 30 hours to write this talk you're going to take 30 hours if yeah, you have three you'll, uh, you'll pull it off maybe you need yeah. 10 but okay yeah pick a number work will expand to fill it Mm -hmm. So we're going to experiment with being more productive four days a week than we are in five. And if it works, it'll be a permanent thing in our company. I love it. Carrie, thank you. This is so <laughs> rich. And listeners, I just need to say to you, you just got your appetite wet uh, for this. So uh, At Your Best is available uh, wherever books are sold. And Carrie, mm -hmm. I, I appreciate our friendship. Um, you add value to me every time we talk, uh, whatever the interview is. It's it goes back rich. a long time, man. It was yeah. 2004. I brought you up wow. to speak at our church. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was just amazing. And we've spent a lot of time together. And I just continue to be amazed and blessed by you and what you do and how you sharpen me as a leader. Well, I feel the same way. Thanks for taking some time. Uh, it's been great. And uh, listeners, you know what to do. So thanks, Carrie. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tim. All right. Thanks so much, Tim and Carrie. What an incredible conversation. Uh, I'm sure that you loved that uh, conversation as much as I did. If you want to pick up a copy of Carrie Newhoff's latest book, At Your Best, you can find it on Amazon or you can simply simply click the link in the description. We'd love for, do that, for you to do that. I know I'm going to be getting my copy and reading it, so I would encourage you to do that as well. Well, as always, if you want to give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, if you found this interview particularly helpful, you're thinking about somebody else who is experiencing maybe some burnout or some uh, just some exhaustion related to work or life, we recommend you share that with that person. We would appreciate that as well. Uh, if you want to connect with us on social media, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you've got ideas for this podcast, whether it's other people you think we should interview or perhaps a subject you think we should cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We really appreciate and love getting those from you. Tim, thanks again for leading us to this great conversation and we'll see you guys next time.